0: Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Karen Krueger, an Alexander Technique teacher in New York City. Uh, before becoming an Alexander Technique teacher, Karen was a partner in a, a law firm, a large law firm, Wachtell Lipton, and she eventually uh, quit that job, trained to become an Alexander Technique teacher. She's been teaching for several years, and she's recently written a book called A Lawyer's Guide to the Alexander Technique, the subtitle, Using Your Mind-Body Connection to Handle Stress, Alleviate Pain, and Improve Performance. And we're going to talk uh, today a, a little bit about uh, stress and pain and so forth in the legal profession. Um and and about this book. Uh Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Well, and it's good talking to you again. We did a couple of interviews early, a few years ago. Um yes. And I wonder if you could start, Karen, by giving our listeners a very short description or definition of the Alexander technique?
1: Sure. I, before I wrote this book, I used to always say something like, it's a way to improve your movement and posture. And I still say that sometimes, but since I wrote that rather wordy subtitle, I also, I like to use it. I say it's a way to handle stress, alleviate pain, and improve performance.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, before we talk about the book and about um how the technique can be helpful for for lawyers i'd like to read uh the a short paragraph from the back cover of the book and i'm i'm going to read it right now many lawyers lead their lives as if the mental and physical were entirely separate domains they pay attention to and cultivate their intellectual skills at work and deal with their bodies only when they exercise or play sports. But this book teaches that the body and mind are not separate entities, and it strives to help readers gain a more profound understanding of mind-body unity that can be used to improve their health and overall performance, both at work and at play. And I guess my first question is, what is it about the legal profession that you think makes it particularly the case that there is this sort of mind body separation?
1: I think partly it's because the legal profession is very academically oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a field where um, the pathway to success begins at a prestigious college, and then a prestigious law school, and then perhaps a prestigious judicial clerkship. Um, and the kinds of skills that you need to succeed are very are a lot of verbal facility, a lot of uh, specific kinds of reasoning. So it's a very um, it, it's a profession that attracts people and. Rewards success with that kind of classical uh, thinking, not the kind of thinking that Alexander teachers are talking about, but the kind of thinking that Descartes had in mind when he said, "I think, therefore I am." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's a very Cartesian view of the world that we get in that kind of uh, educational model. And then when you go to work, the work environment, especially at big law firms. Um, is extremely intense and prioritizes uh, work product uh, over everything else, including health. Mm -hmm. So people tend to power through everything. They think if I just have enough willpower, I can go without sleep. I can go without eating well. I can... I can cram all my exercise onto the weekend. I can you know, do all kinds of things that aren't good for us physically because I think that is somehow separate from this work product that I'm churning out.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, a lot of people, um, the people you're talking about when they first go to work in, in a firm are fairly young. And so they can get away with it for a while. That's a very good point, Yes. Um,
1: and I would say particularly when I started, um, I, I'm old enough that when I began practicing law, people didn't have personal computers at their desks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a real shift in the profession uh, as our, the lawyer's work environment went from the old-fashioned office with a secretary who did the typing mm-hmm. to an environment where lawyers – work on computers and use email and that kind of and computer-based work as their primary mode of operation and i'm seeing younger and younger people with severe physical problems arising from that shift
0: and that, that that's of course symptomatic i mean that happens with people in general who spend a lot of time sitting at desks working with computers.
1: Certainly. Um, I wrote this book as a lawyer's guide because I was invited to do so by the American Bar Association. Their publishing arm is the publisher. Mm -hmm. And I I, I spoke to lawyers directly. That's the world I know. But it is certainly not – nothing that I say in this book is really limited to lawyers. I think anybody who's involved in um, a serious profession – these days, has the same kinds of issues and pressures that arise, and certainly the same kinds of demands for using a computer.
0: Mm-hmm. So long hours in front of a com- computer, often hours more than an eight-hour working day, right? Indeed, yes. So, um, so there's that, and um, I assume uh, that it's a pretty competitive environment, Yes. And so you don't want to be seen as slacking off, um, taking anything approaching a normal work week, right?
1: Yes, that's correct. And that's that's both on a, an objective level. People, you know, in order to keep their jobs and and become partners, you have to keep up that kind of pace. But also the kind of people who go into this field tend to be very self-motivated and they have – they push themselves as
0: much as they are pushed. Mm-hmm. So it's everywhere, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it might be nice at some point to talk a little bit about courtroom, uh, the role of, of the lawyer in courtroom, courtrooms where they have to be a bit of a performer, right?
1: Yes, it is very much a performance, Um I think it's as much a performance for a lawyer in a court as it is for an actor on stage, with the added pressure that the courtroom lawyer has to come up with their own script as they go along. They have to be able to think on their feet. It's, it's, it's like improv in acting. Right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I,
0: I, yeah. I remember when I first started teaching many years ago, one of my first students was uh, a, a young attorney who uh, worked uh, as a public defender and she was in court a lot and she described to me what it was that she needed to deal with in 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 a courtroom situation and it was being aware of a lot of people in the moment to kind of keep track of their reactions and how they were you know how, what their facial expressions were like, what their posture was like. it was, mm-hmm. And it was, as you said, very improvisational. There was no, she might have a sort of a script, but it, it would get derailed pretty quickly.
1: Yes, and I would actually say the same is true of the kind of work I did where um, I was often involved in negotiations where you might be sitting around the table with, you know, Five, six, or a dozen people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, debating a point about how what kind of agreement two clients were going to reach uh, in a contract and it 's not adversarial because everyone had the same goal that they wanted to reach an agreement, but their interests weren 't aligned, and there were many players, and you had to hold your own against people who wanted to argue with you it, I, and i it 's interesting because i when I started taking Alexander technique lessons. Uh, I was still working as a lawyer, and I, I was taking the lessons because I was having trouble with chronic pain, um, for which it was life changing. But at the same time, I found it made me a better negotiator.
0: And and to what to what would you attribute that? I mean, what what is it about the technique that would make you better at at negotiating?
1: I think the most important thing that I learned right away in my lessons was what we Alexander technique teachers call inhibition, which I tend to describe to people who haven't heard that term as pausing, taking a little bit of time between a stimulus and your response. And in that little space, there's room for thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And what that thought is may depend on the circumstance, but I discovered that when I was able to create a little space Between somebody making some argumentative point at me and my answering that point, I was able to not only deal with my physical response, that is, make sure I was still breathing, not tense up my neck and shoulders and undo these things that, that we tend to do, but that by doing those things, I also had more room to actually think about how I was going to respond and make a choice. Mm-hmm.
0: so you wouldn 't just be reactive and jump in there with something you exactly you'd be which little, yeah.
1: yes, I could be more considered, and I can remember there was one particular um, uh, lawyer that I dealt with on a pretty regular basis um, because he, rep- he he worked in a sort of a, a parallel position to mine at another law firm, and we would we would we would have these arguments, and he was the kind of person whose technique it was to provoke and irritate the other side. <laughs> mm-hmm. and thereby get what he wanted because he would just be so annoying. Right. And what what was powerful to me was learning to notice how my my whole response, it was mind, it was emotion, it was body, it was all these things that we separate, my whole response to this person was actually interfering with my ability to deal with him. <laughs> he was get, having his way with me. By, right, right. Me. And the Alexander technique allowed me to interrupt that response and choose a different one and be more effective um, in maintaining my cool and, and um, maintaining my position.
0: Mm. So it's, it's an example of, of being able to, to be aware of your own physicality in the moment. So you can pick up on little little tensions perhaps even before they become full-blown.
1: Exactly. And you can pick up on them and there's lots of great reasons for doing that. One one is that some of those physical reactions, if they keep piling on and piling on, can cause you physical problems as they Mm -hmm. did with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I had neck pain and headaches. Some people get back pain. People Mm -hmm. get all kinds of pains or other stress-related problems and because the body and these physical responses are a manifestation of a thought process and an emotional process picking up on them can also give you insight into what you're thinking what you're feeling you get it's like it's like that lawyer you described in the courtroom observing everybody's body language you res- mm-hmm. you observe your own body language mm-hmm. to learn more about what's happening with you
0: right and of course being self-aware in the moment also does enable you to be more get a more accurate picture of what other people are doing with their bodies.
1: Yes, that's a very interesting point. And Robert. that can give you yeah. that
0: could give you an edge in negotiations, right? I would I would imagine you could learn something about someone's position by just observing how they reacted to various statements or that sort of I th- thing.
1: I think that's true. Uh, it might be a, um, a nonverbal understanding, but it's valuable.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Is there any other aspect of the legal profession where you that we haven't touched on that you could see the Alexander Technique as being helpful?
1: One that I uh, wrote about in my book was um, – Uh, Voice speaking voice. Mm, mm -hmm. So this is perhaps a subset of what we've already been talking about, but I think it's a very important one. Um, People that you are trying to persuade, whether it's uh, you're trying to persuade someone to hire you as a lawyer or you're trying to persuade a judge to rule in your favor or you're trying to persuade uh, a counterparty to agree to your way of phrasing something in a contract – People are affected on a nonverbal level by the quality of your voice mm-hmm. and um, I I think that the Alexander Technique is a great way to learn to affect the sound of your voice, the quality of your voice, the authoritativeness of your voice, many aspects of the speaking voice – can be favorably addressed through the Alexander technique. And I think this is actually particularly important for younger lawyers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think young lawyers um, often naturally don't feel as self-assured as more experienced lawyers. And that lack of assurance can come across in the sound of their voices more than in the words that they use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and would you?
0: Would you, is there anything that you would say specifically to young women lawyers? Because that's kind of a, that's a growing part of the profession, right?
1: Yes, I, I would say that I think fairly or not, women's voices are much more scrutinized and criticized than men's. Mm -hmm. um i think our society tends to hear the lower pitched voices as more authoritative Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so uh it can be very tempting to try to try to make your voice do something to make yourself sound more authentic or more authoritative or more powerful much of which can actually be quite damaging to the voice and doesn't necessarily have the effect that you want Mm -hmm. to me the best way to have a voice that that commands attention, which is what we're after, and attention and respect, is to have it be fully connected to the breath, and res- resonating in a free body, and that's what the Alexander technique is all about. It's,
0: and, it, may, it may go ahead, Bob. Yeah. You know, well, I was going to say uh, that phrase, free body, and if someone's tensing themselves or tightening themselves with stress or whatever, that's not so free a body.
1: Correct. In fact, it actually has an audible difference. You can change how your voice sounds by changing your posture. And I've actually done this experiment. I did a little blog post for uh, the American Center for the Alexander Technique (ACAT) in New York about uh, so-called vocal fry Mm -hmm. where um, people talk like this. And I discovered that I could create that sound simply. Just a moment ago, I was I was slumping, and mm-hmm. then I sat up straight, and it changed the quality of my voice without my actually having to do anything else.
0: So, um, well, and I think it 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 illustrates a, a kind of a fundamental idea of the Alexander technique, which is everything we do we do with our whole bodies.
1: That's a. I love that statement, Robert. It, it's so true in my experience, and it's also. I mean, it's, it's it's a it's a easy to express idea, and I think most people would would probably sort of agree with it. But it's not necessarily one that we fully embody and understand mm-hmm. until right. we encounter the Alexander. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think everyone pretty much these days would agree with that. But as you say. It's easy enough to agree with it, but to put that agreement into practice is another thing altogether. And that's what the Alexander Technique, that's exactly what the Alexander Technique can help you with, or a teacher of the Alexander Technique.
1: Yeah. Another thing I'd like to say about it, the Alexander Technique, in this context, is it's a lot of fun. It (laughs) is, yeah. You know, and it's something that, uh, of course, as you might expect, many of my students are lawyers and um i think they find that taking an hour a week to come work with me is f- not only beneficial for them they they wouldn't take the time if they didn't get a benefit from it but they also really enjoy it mm-hmm. it makes them feel good um and so it's it's just worth it even even to have that hour mm-hmm. of of fun in lives that are otherwise very stressed
0: so just uh, i think this m- we might be a good place to bring our conversation to a close, but before we do that the the book you've written it's fairly short um um it's what seventy odd pages mm-hmm. so it's a it's a fairly quick read. What is it that you hope to achieve with the book, or perhaps put another way? why would Why would it be useful for a lawyer to to buy this and 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 read through it what What would be the payoff
1: I hope the payoff would be to learn about and be interested in a very powerful tool that can improve your life, mm-hmm. whether you decide to take advantage of that tool right now or at some future time my My goal with writing the book was to, For people, first of all, people who have some interest but are skeptical to be able to read my view of why this work is so wonderful, what it has to offer them, so that they could have an intellectual understanding that says, hmm, okay, well, I could see actually taking some time out of my busy week to try this out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And secondly, I just hope that people. Can get in their minds the idea that it is worthwhile to think about the the um, this mind body idea in this broader way, so that when when you think about, am I taking care of myself? physically so that I can do my job you don't just think about whether you're you know running so many miles a week or eating a particular diet but you think about how do you would how do you interact with your whole environment because ultimately i think we could all make our own lives and everyone else's lives much better if we were more thoughtful about how we go about doing things Mm -hmm. and i think that's what the alexander technique has to has to offer that's actually quite subversive
0: it it is it is and i think it'd be worth just mentioning that if, if anyone listening to this podcast or someone who reads the book w- wants to explore the technique it won't take them very long before they'll realize it's some of its benefits it's not the sort of thing you come for lesson after lesson and nothing happens you re- may very well become sold after the first lesson
1: i agree i i actually when people ask me well you know what do I have to do to 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 start? I always say, just come for one lesson. Yeah, you're a smart person. You know what's going on with you, and I can in in one lesson, I can give you a sense of what I have to offer. You won't learn it in one lesson. But you'll understand it enough to know whether it's worth investing some more time in it. Exactly.
0: It's not some mysterious thing that you it's not like psychoanalysis where you might go for <laughs> years and, and who knows what'll happen. This is really practical stuff. It's just it's just practical stuff in a way that most people haven't really um thought about. Yes. That's how I, do. I would see it. It's there's nothing mysterious about the work. It's just uh, i, I it's, it's kind of applied common sense. I think someone actually gave it that name at one point.
1: It is, and I think it gets muddied because it can feel really mysterious and wonderful mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it may have all kinds of spiritual and mystical and other implications for some people, but that's not necessarily a re- the, the only reason to go for it.
0: Well, this I think unless there's something else you want to add, this would be a great place to end. How does that sound to you? That sounds good. Well, my um, guest today has been Karen Kruger, who is an Alexander Technique teacher and former lawyer. Uh, she teaches and lives in New York City. And she has written a book called A Lawyer's Guide to the Alexander Technique. And uh, I believe it's now available on Amazon. If you want to buy it from there, and if you, I, I assume you can buy it through the American Bar Association, is that right? Do they yes, have a catalog? Or
1: yeah, they have an online store. And if you go to my website, there's a link to take you to
0: buy it. Excellent. I'll put a I'll put a link to your website by the interview, so people will be able to pursue any of those ways of getting hold of it anyway uh and if we and if you uh, if you are an attorney and you you're, you're interested in this and and live in the new york city area uh you you can contact karen through her website and i'll also put a link to a site that will enable you to find a teacher anywhere in the world so karen thank you so much for this
1: thank you for having me robert